today's episode. I am on a mission to empower over a thousand people, to empower over a thousand, to empower a thousand, to be happy. And through my journey, I've learned the lessons of money. Money does not buy love or happiness, but it does allow you to shop. And if you shop for the right things, not the things you don't need to impress people you don't like, but the right things, I promise you, you'll be happy. Make a lot of money so you can help a lot of people, have a lot of fun, receive so you can give. Don't give to receive. It's not a trade and negotiation. You give to receive, no. Receive so it comes through you for others. And that's how that paradigm and journey has lasted. Welcome to the Modern Author Podcast. Your host, Eric Custer. David Meltzer wants to impact a billion people. And you know, it sounds crazy, but turns out once you meet David, you'll pretty much agree he's pretty well on his way and likely to have just that impact. What's interesting and amazing about David is he has really been described as the real life Jerry Maguire. He was the president of the Lee Steinberg Sports Agency, which really was the basis for the movie Jerry Maguire. And he has built this incredible career of being like Jerry, of giving more, thinking differently, and doing a lot of really good things for the world. Every day he focuses on giving back. Uh, he puts out content, he does calls, he coaches people, and really I think has moved people in a lot of amazing ways forward. One of the things that I think was so powerful about what David shares with us is, is really about thinking about how mentorship happens. And I think what David shared was really that oftentimes we look for mentorship advice, we use proximity as the way to find it. Who's near us? Who lives by us? Who do we go to school with? And what he says is proximity is actually a bad proxy for the quality of advice. Instead, just because because they're near you or they're related to you or connected to you doesn't mean they get good advice. Find advice that's right for you. And so find that person that understands you or maybe a couple clicks ahead of you. Uh, find people who are amazing like David who get those, get you and really are more ambitious. I think one of the biggest things that we talked about in this call is that ambitious people oftentimes squash it early by being around people who didn't necessarily fulfill their ambition. And so if you find yourself not getting advice that you want or you need from people around you, find more people, expand, go beyond. I think today, proximity has truly been disrupted by the power of the internet. Uh, David is someone who lives an incredible life of gratitude, of accountability, and, and really talks about the power of self-forgiveness, which I think is a neat concept, especially when we're trying and doing new things. Being kind to ourselves is something that's in short supply. And so if you tried something that didn't work, Forgive yourself. Give yourself that, uh, that that sort of free pass when you make a mistake or a challenge. And I think that will help you appreciate the things that you want more and more. Again, David is an amazing force for good in the world. We're grateful to have him. Uh, he has uh, written multiple books on the power of com compassionate capitalism and really doing good. And uh, he is on, a, is on a mission to impact a billion people. And uh, we're glad that we're part of his billion for sure. So again, David Meltzer, the real life Jerry Maguire. Uh, learn a little bit about why you need to sort of think differently and bigger about who can give you advice and guidance to get you to that next level. It's not who you know, but it's who you want to know who can take you to that next step. We are so grateful to have you on our session here a little bit. And I have your book. I'm a fan of your you as a writer, but thank you again for hanging out with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. As I was preparing for this interview, there's one word that I think comes across in like nearly every single interview you give and all the talks you have. And that is like this word value. You're a big believer in just helping people understand how to give value in you yourself here. 
Talk about what you found as why it's so important for people in this world to stand out, to be value givers, not just value takers. Yeah, I think understanding value as what is so important. And most importantly, taking inventory of values is essential. Seeking, finding the light, the love, and the lessons is finding the value in anything. So it defines pain. If you look for the what, if you are seeking and more interested than interesting in the value of what you're doing by finding the light, the love, and lessons, you pain not as a stop sign, but an indicator. Suffering is a process to find the value, right? Suffering to me is a process to find the light, the love, and the lessons or the value. So I have people take inventory, not only in an opportunity, but most importantly in themselves. I think people don't find their what. They're so uh, confused about their why, they don't think about, gosh, if I knew my what, I would apply a why to it really quickly and this whole problem would be solved. And so taking inventory of your personal values, your experiential values, your giving values, and your receiving values, applying that not only of how you can provide service or value to others, but what help you need. The radical humility involved in finding the shortages, voids, obstacles that you may face in order to find the light, the love, and lessons. You need to ask that magical question in person on the phone via email or media. Do you know anyone that can help me? But I think value itself is a process. A suffering is the process of finding value. And you can't find it unless you're more interested than interesting, unless you equate a weighted balance of personal experiential giving and receiving values themselves. And then beyond finding the value, now you have to organize it. And then the part that everybody falls down on uh, that I've been practicing for over a decade now is I have tried to be an expert where a lot of people aren't. And that's in not just quantifying the value uh, objectively. I hate to do this to everyone, but I sing a cute little song about subjective. <laughs> Everybody, you guys are the right age. You guys know who Barney is, that purple dinosaur. I see a bunch of Barney value people, the subjective value. I love you. You love me. Nobody makes any money. So I believe in quantifying the value with time resources, uh, not just the emotional aspect where people bound emotion for logical reasons. And now, part that I practice that's so interesting in value that has taken and amplified what I do, accelerated it, uh, created compound interest and exponential growth in what I do, is I am pursuing expertise in articulation of quantifying value. You know, it's great. 80% of the entrepreneurs out there can quantify the value of what they're looking at. 20% live in the subjective world of the purple dinosaur Barney. But... <laughs> About 90% of the people of the 80% that can find the quantitative value haven't practiced articulating the quantitative value, so they never can share that vision, and therefore, they never get to where they want to be. Yeah, that's such a powerful thing. And you're in this, you have this really interesting place where now you're, we'll call it a pretty BHAG, right? Ambitious goal of inspiring over a billion people, which I love it. But you've had an interesting path to get here. And I think I heard you, and we've met through the Next Gen community where I've heard you speak. And I remember your start, everyone sees this, you know, this guy who was the CEO of the Jerry Maguire agency and stuff like that. Tell us a little bit about that journey, because I think there, you've been through this ride where you've gone from, in some ways, having it all to having to reinvent and get to this point where you now have this, again, ambitious set to say, here's the fact that you love the pain, you love the pleasure, you love the journey, but importantly, to create value as you go. Yeah. So my journey starts with a relationship to money, and that's because I had none when I was young. I was born in Akron, Ohio, single mom, six kids, packed my dinner in a paper bag, turned up 
filled up turnstiles at 7-Elevens with greeting cards just so we could eat. Mm-hmm. But I was happy. So yeah. my journey started with my relationship to money according to how happy I was. And what do I mean by that? That to me, money bought love and happiness because it was the only thing that was missing from my happiness. The only time I was sad was I'd catch my mom with financial distress. Car would break down. How is she going to afford with, with the philosophy of doctor, lawyer, or failure? Fetus wasn't fully developed till after graduate school. How was she going to pay for all the college and right. graduate school? And it used to you know, bring her complete stress. And years old when my dad left, I'm like, I'm going to be rich. Now, one advantage of believing money buys love and happiness that I found, and I know Georgetown, uh, a lot of the students there probably have parents that were like my mom, doctor, lawyer, or failure. You feel a lot of pressure to please your parents, especially if they're paying for your college. Right. You want to do what they ask. But one advantage of not doing that, my siblings all went to the Ivy Leagues, Harvard, Penn, Columbia, summa cum laude. They listened to my mom. I did. I wanted money. <laughs> the advantage is if, if you're only looking at the money, you're always looking for more options because right. you're always looking for someone to pay you more. And so that really drove my career. So when I went to law school, finally, to be an oil and gas litigator, to be rich enough to buy my mom a house and a car, I also was pursuing other opportunities that would pay more than 150 grand. By the way, I wish somebody would have told me this when I was in college. I know a lot of you maybe want to work in Wall Street, you want to be doctors and lawyers and all those. Look, just because you can make 150 grand being a lawyer out of law school, you're, you're not making that much. You're working three dollars jobs. You're, right. you, if you want money, that's not the way to go. So I took a sales job. Ironically, my mom told me, I took it in the internet in 1992. Oh, wow. You were born. Uh, DOS, monochrome screens. I carried my computer on a, a luggage cart. Mm-hmm. Uh, but more importantly, my mom told me the internet was a fad. And then mm. if I wasn't a real lawyer, that I'd be a disastrous failure and that the internet was a failure, I was a failure, and how dare I not be a real lawyer. Great lesson, even if uh, you you don't listen to anything else I say, just because your parents love you doesn't mean they give you good advice. That is a great piece of advice there, yeah. And that's not just even like love. I think you are, the one of the biggest things I've learned in my own life is just because they have proximity to someone doesn't mean that they're the right person to ask for advice. Proximity is a bad proxy for quality of advice here. And especially in the day's world, like, you should find the best person who can give you real advice rather than like use proximity as a proxy. Yeah, exactly. And I take it to a higher level of if, because asking to me is such a crucial thing. So I think that we're, because we feel so separate, the tree has no branches. If we truly believed everybody was a sponsor, a power sponsor of ours, that we were all connected, that one branch would not go to war against another branch. If we truly believe that, which I do, mm-hmm. then we would look upon everyone as a sponsor or a power sponsor, not a gatekeeper, not as resistance, voids and shortages to what I want. And so I've taken that perspective by asking almost everyone I meet in person on the phone via email and social media, do you know anyone that could help me? But regardless, my career journey to finish up so I can answer more questions, I ended up making, taking a job selling legal research online, nine months out of law school, I was a millionaire. Went up to the silk. Uh, we sold in 1995 for 3.4 billion with a B. It wasn't many billion dollar companies in 95. Mm-hmm. Went to the Silicon Valley, raised hundreds of millions of dollars. Always keeping my options open. Always being more interested than interesting. Always learning. Always asking for help. And by the time I was 30, I was a multimillionaire. I ran Samsung's first phone division, the world's first smartphone, a Windows device. Believe it or not, it was a Windows C device that combined a laptop and a 
telephone in one called the PCE phone. And that's where my journey really began because that's when that paradigm shift started rearing its head of money doesn't buy happiness and love. Mm -hmm. I went from living in a world at that point in my life, I was a victim as a child, you know, born with nothing in a world of not enough. Everything happened to me. I would say, why me? Why do they have this? Then I became a millionaire and a multimillionaire and I lived in a world that was for me. I was very generous. I gave tons of money. I believe the more you give, the more you receive. And then I shifted that paradigm. And it started when I was 30 to starting to understand that, gosh, I'm buying a lot of things I don't need. Mm. I'm buying a lot of different things when I'm not happy or more things when I'm not happy. I'm buying things to impress people. I'm buying things to impress people I don't even like. And that world, <laughs> that world of just enough quickly by 2006 became a world of more than enough. I ended up surrounding myself with the wrong people, the wrong ideas. I left Samsung, became CEO of the world's most notable sports agency in the world. Like you noted, Lee Steinberg. They made the movie Jerry Maguire about my firm. And then 11 years ago, I spun off a marketing company with Warren. In the last four years, I built my own brand the way I built the biggest brands in sports and entertainment for myself, proving uh, that you could build a community off of an idea to empower over a billion people to be happy. I'm looking for a thousand people like Eric who will empower a thousand people in his life to empower over a thousand people simply to create a collective consciousness of happiness. Happy people, they don't attack other people. They live in a world of abundance. They do good deeds. They're kind. They have good character. Happy people will create an abundant world where there's more than enough of everything for everyone. And if I can approach that billion person mark, we're going to have a true collective consciousness that one little particle of light overcomes millions of particles of darkness. But even moreover, happiness is a virus. My favorite part about happiness is the only virus that's spread by witnessing it. And mm. it strengthens everybody that witnesses. Mm. It strengthens you mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially. Happiness will strengthen everyone with its abundant truth that it carries. And more importantly, it'll strengthen your immune system. So it protects you against negativity and disease. So I am on a mission to empower over a thousand people, to empower over a thousand, to empower a thousand, to be happy. And through my journey, I've learned the lessons of money does not buy love or happiness, but it does allow you to shop. And if you shop for the right things, not the things you don't need to impress people you don't like, but the right things, I promise you, you'll be happy. Make a lot of money so you can help a lot of people, have a lot of fun. Receive so you can give. Don't give to receive. It's not a trade and negotiation. You give to receive. No, receive so it comes through you for others. And that's how that paradigm and journey has lasted. That's amazing. We're we're part of the we're part of the family now. I hope so. We're gonna one of the fun things we'll do with this group is we've got hundreds of authors in this community, and we're gonna do something cool where we're gonna send you copies of the books you've inspired that showcase we're really on the mission here. So you're gonna have some spots in those bookshelves. We'll add some some new books from this uh, incredible community here for sure. I love it. So one of the things that I also love about your journey, and I think your story is such a powerful one, is this idea of being the master learner. I, I think what's crazy about your journey is like you've been able to do all, you've had 12 careers now, right? In these different ways. But what I find that to be fascinating by is you're comfortable going somewhere you're not comfortable yet and learning and surrounding yourselves to be able to do these next things here. How do you teach other people to become that master learner, that chameleon to be able to go places even though you're not comfortable and become comfortable with it. For me, it's understanding the four values that I take stock in and five daily practices. So my four values are the key. 
So one, if you're going to take that on, you need to know my definition of happiness is to enjoy the consistent every day, persistent without quit, pursuit of my own potential. Not what other people think, not what's missing in my life, not what I don't want, but I'm going to use the mathematical equation of luck. I'm going to pay attention to and give intention to what I think, say, do, believe, and my own genetics, personality traits, characteristics, obsessions, and addictions in order to effectuate what I want, those coincidences. So that mathematical equation of luck, and I do that through number one, gratitude. The easiest way to change your life is to say thank you before you go to bed and when you wake up. 30 straight days, it becomes a neural pathway. It becomes a subconscious thought. It'll affect you and change you more than anything else. It takes 0.1 seconds. It's the best thing that we can do. Certified by all the transformational leadership uh, that I've surrounded myself with physics, quantum physics, metaphysics. Uh, ironically, by tonight, half of us won't say thank you. By tomorrow morning, half of us won't say thank you. Within three days, almost all of us won't say thank you. But gratitude is the most powerful thing. Learn to love what you do. The same percentage of your life sucks that everyone else sucks. It's those people that can find the light, the love, and the lessons, and the suck that end up being happy and gracious in what they do by finding that suffering, the process of finding light, love, and lessons. Two, forgiveness. In order to learn all those things, I had to make a ton of mistakes. And if you're going to make mistakes, you better forgive yourself because you can't forgive other people because mm -hmm. you can't give what you don't have. Yeah. And so I've learned not to make mistakes twice but to forgive myself when I do, knowing that it's part of the process of suffering and pain to learn, grow, accelerate, exponentially grow, or even compound the interest in my life so that I can take on more within the context of productivity, how much value am I providing, accessibility, how accessible am I to others, and how am I accessing what I want, and of course, king back to gratitude to have the right perspective, to find the light, the love, and the lessons in those mistakes to forgive myself. Then third is accountability. Most people, especially today, they lack control. They're trying to find outside of themselves what exists inside them. You can't find outside of you what doesn't exist inside of you. Accountability is the control of that. Accountability tells you, number one, what did I do to attract this to my life? And two, what am I supposed to learn from it? So if you live with that gratitude, forgiveness, and accountability, you can have an inspired life. Now, remember, motivation is not inspiration. Motivation, fear can motivate you. It'll suck your soul, tear out your energy, but it will motivate you. It'll get you up. It'll get you back up. It'll get you started. It'll get you back started. That's all motivation is. When I see motivational speakers, I'm like, that's terrific. You got me going, but I want someone that's going to inspire me to get me there. Get me their lifestyle of inspiration, clearing the ego-based consciousness out of the way, the interferences, the voids, the shortages, the obstacles, corrosion to what already exists so that I can use three laws to get what I want in life. Number one law is the law of gravity. The law of gravity states that what you want will be attracted to you. It, hmm. it comes down to you. Hmm. You throw this mouse up, it'll be come down to me. The law of Goya, number two, nothing will happen until you get off your ass. So <laughs> trust and have faith in the law of, of, of gravity, but use the law of Goya to attract and to activate the law of attraction which states what you pay attention to and give that law of Goya to your intention, now their coincidences will be attracted to yourself. Your possibilities become, your probabilities become your perspective with these four values, gratitude, forgiveness, accountability. I love it.
And you, you talk a lot, and I think Laura picked up this in the chat. She was sharing here that you've really been pushing to spread a mission, and it is this sort of thing behind it. What have you found is your approach to bring people into this one? Because it's not easy. Like a lot of people out there, to your point, are like pushing their message. It's much different to try and build people into this community of others and, and there. What have you found works, especially for this group of authors who themselves are trying to create missions that, that people join in theirs? So three things. One, consistency strengthens your system. If you're going to draw people into a community, you got to have a strong signal. It only reaches out to two people. It has to be strong enough for those two people to reach out to two people. Yep. Uh, so consistency, you got every single day. You can't zero yourself out. The way that exponentiality compound interest works is it aggregates upon itself. Mm. And the problem, especially when we're young, is we are not patient because we don't understand compound interest. That's the only reason we're not, 99% of the people quit before they're 25% of the way there. Mm -hmm. Of the 1% that will continue, 99% will quit before they're 50% of the way there. Mm. And of the 1% of the 1% will get to where they want to be or angle towards it and get somewhere better. That's the way philosophy I take. But more importantly, understand this, the strength of the signal says not how far it reaches today, but how strong the signal is to affect you. Because if I today say it's Laura and you, if all the people that are on here that listen to this and the entire year went by, but I have both Eric and Laura at the end of the year, all the work that I've done, all the videos, the free training, the playbook, the TV shows, the movies, everything that I produce, four books, all of it, and all I got is Eric and Laura telling two people next year, you gotta do, read, see, think, here, Dave Meltzer, you got to do that. And the signal strong enough that they do it. And then it's strong enough that they get two people and Eric and Laura still get two people. In 20 years, I will have 2 million people getting 2 million people. Interesting. The problem is most people, by the time they get to, let's say five years, because they think if it's going to take me 20 years, let's say I even told you, it'll take you 20 years to build this community of happiness. Mm -hmm. You would say, okay, in five years, when you're at 64 people, most people quit right. because they don't understand that's not the way the math works. Right. You're not there, you're not till 25% of the way there till 18 years. That's when you're 25% wow. of the way there. Then mm -hmm. in the 19th year, you're at 50% because it keeps doubling, right? Mm -hmm. Then it doubles in the 19th year from 50 to 100. The coolest yeah. thing is only the 1% of the 1% get to experience what I'm experiencing now in my life which is 100% turns to 200, 200 to 400, right. 400 to 800. Yep. And that's because of consistency. The mm -hmm. second thing is spectrum. To create the efficiencies so that you can get more than two people, more than just Eric and Laura, then you have to know the spectrum that you're trying to reach. Authors, thought leaders, entrepreneurs, know your spectrum. I will give you my best example is Dr. Pimple Popper, who has more... Uh, subscribers on YouTube than the entire Pro Football Hall of Fame, which are all my clients and heroes in, in <laughs> marketing. And I, but what it taught me was spectrum, right? If you know your frequency, your spectrum, the, the very first time ever we can reach the whole world, basically 4.4 right. 4 billion people and growing. So if I'm not a big pimple popper fan, I absolutely probably would laugh at somebody if they told me they were going to do a channel on popping pimples. But guess what? There's billions of people that are. Turns out, yeah. So yeah. know your spectrum. And then finally, practice, because that's what clarifies, focuses, and balances you. 
practice, right? That's how we are in pain and suffering. The more we practice, the more we get indicators that we have lessons to learn. The more suffering that we have, we enter the process of finding those light, love, and lessons. In overall, if you look at the strength of your signal, the spectrum, and the clarity of your message, the coolest thing is that you actually can get this philosophy of, hey, I'm okay right where I'm at today. Right. I'm happy. Right. I'm at the right place at the perfect time. Hmm. But I'm going to consistently, persistently pursue my potential, and I'm going to angle to what I want, but more importantly, have faith that I'm going to not get what I want, but get better than I want. I'm angling towards what I want because I'm learning lessons along the way. Every day I'm like, I'm going from point A to B. I'm using a mentor that's at point B, but there's been some variables that change. So now I'm angling towards point B. Mm -hmm. I can't get a direct route because the directions I've given have changed since that person who sits at point B got to get to point B. They changed and had a few detours along the way. So Mm -hmm. happy where you are, angling to where you want to be, faith that you'll be somewhere better. That's amazing. And I think it's so interesting too, especially thinking about this community of authors. And you know, I think all of them, there's that, I would say as an author yourself, there's that doubt of saying, is this going to matter? Is people, is people going to care? And when you reframe that entire thing of saying, hey, remember, this is, you influence a couple people, but if you keep at that one, like it goes fast. But then also being able to remember that like, it doesn't have to happen. That community is so much bigger than ever before. And that in some ways going more niche, but finding those people that are passionate is a really powerful um, element. How have you seen that play out as you've now taken on this sort of new journey to inspire others, like finding those tribes that will follow you in this mission? Yeah. So for me, it's on every aspect, reducing the interference. Mm -hmm. And so what does that mean? If I'm going to write a book, I'm not writing it to make money. Mm-hmm. I'm not writing it to get the biggest publisher. I own, I took back one of my books from a publisher. The book that you held up, Game Time Decision Making, was published by McGraw-Hill. Mm-hmm. That meant nothing to me. I, I want to get it in as many hands as I can right. because I want to impact as many people. The money always comes. I gave away Connected to Goodness is my first book, mm-hmm. and that's the one I took back from the publisher mm-hmm. and published it myself so I could give it away. Hmm. Uh, I gave away last year, it's been out since 2014. Mm -hmm. So the book's six years old. I sold more books than ever in 2020. I gave away 20,000 books. Wow. But sold many times more than that. I write those to empower others knowing that here's the way a book works for everyone since we're a bunch of authors. I believe your book has a vacuum. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's a container and these are your ideas when you start, you write it, it's done. Now, every person that you give it to, it expands. What does that do? It creates a vacuum, a draw. More people want the book. More people want your ideas. And if you put your attention and intention into what you want in that vacuum, Mm -hmm. that's what you're going to get. And that's how you share your ideas. You impact more people and you make more money mm-hmm. by utilizing the law of expansion, acceleration, growth, and vacuum in order to put your ideas into reality. You're a 3D printer. Yeah. Boom, put it right down in. Pretty soon, people are begging you to write books for them. Yeah, I'll tell you a real story on that one. And I, it's funny you say it that way. I, my first book, I was very much like, I had to sell books, sell copies as a publisher. So the second one, I said, listen, I'm giving all the profits away to a, these organizations I support, I love, and stuff like that. And in the first 
three months of the book out there, I sold 10x more copies in the first time around. And what's crazy about it, it was like, you just, to your point, like when you give value away with playing this long game, it pays out. And I think what's so fascinating about your approach is that you don't know how it's going to pay back. You just know that it will. You just have to like not try to architect it two months and say, I'm going to do this one. I'm going to plant 10 flags, 10 seeds. And one of them is going to be a massive growth. But I just have to trust that like the world will pay. And it's crazy because that, I do free trainings. I do them every Friday. But look, I know you guys are in college. So if you can't make it, it's replayed on Spotify. It's featured. There's a Dave Meltzer playlist that does all the trainings from ultimate ego training to writing a book to how to pitch, how to raise money to being happy. This week's is don't procrastinate. Last week was seeking approval. So I do all kinds of crazy we stuff. We need both for this author group. I think there's those two right there are big. You timed them, David. We need don't procrastinate <laughs> and how to not seek approval. Everyone right now is in that nervous phase about where's my book going to go? Are people going to read it? So you're, uh, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. But from that, I have my number one down. So I, if, if you haven't seen my podcast, it's called The Playbook, but it has yep. celebrities, athletes, entertainers, millionaires, billionaires, entrepreneurs, the greatest names. You, Dan Aykroyd, Cameron Diaz, Gary Vee, Ed Milet, you, you name it. I got the best. Hall of Fame football, baseball, hockey players. Anyway, I started with that. And now Fridays, it's my number one downloaded podcast is my really? training. And over 20,000 people register every Friday to come. Hmm. Um, And it's free, right? It's it's all free. Now, the interesting thing from all those people, I'm getting all kinds of offers for them to pay me to do things. So I have a paid private group because I have thousands of people that want to have a private group with me. I have one-on-one business advisory, which I've always had. I have more consulting offers than I've ever received in my life. I have more book offers than I ever imagined. Everybody will go through this. Nobody wanted my first book. I'll tell you how much I still have the title of my first book, which is the best title. And I'm going to give it out there because I'm abundant. But my best title of a book is Don't Do Business with Dicks. And (laughs) that's going to be my next book, whatever it takes. And it's the best title I've ever thought of, though. And I know that because as I was writing it, I've been on planes and people see the name and they're like, where can I buy that? You don't even know what it's about. I love the name. (laughs) Oh man, I'm, I'm in on that one too. That's going to be on my bookshelf, like you know, right behind it for sure. Nice. So you've done this a lot of times now. You've created books, you've created movements behind it. But with this group here that are all, you know trying to figure out ways to, because I think what's so neat about you is you've got this marketer's mind, but yet this sort of giver's approach to it. How do you tell people to build things that will stick, that will last, that will keep? Because I think that's an important thing as someone who's creating their own you know, work that they want to have in the world. Yeah, we can finish on this one and then we'll do another one of these when you guys want me to come back. I love it. I just, I'm a time freak. Um, yeah, no, 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 play so you. you can't find inside of you what you want outside of you. Mm-hmm. And so when you're going through that process, find your frequency, mm-hmm. find what, all the things you want other people to see, find it within yourself. What resonates with you? What's meaningful for you? What's impact? It's like the pimple popper lady, right? That's not meaningful for me. It right. does not resonate with me. It does not excite me, but it does her. Like yeah. she thinks it's super cool and yep. interesting and all. And guess what? Millions and millions of people do so as well. So look within you, learn to love you and people. You can't literally give, if you are love, people will love you. Amazing. Remember, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. That's simple. You're the man. David, thank you so much. 